Hi, I'm Rosa Galligan, Harlequins and England rugby player, and you are listening to the Loose Heads podcast. Yo, Loose Heads listeners, let's kick it. Right, stop, turn it up and listen. Loose it back with a new conversation, something grabs a hold of me tightly. Emotions and fears in the daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Tackle the sigma and we'll know. Come in a clubhouse and set your mind free. Cause rugby's a place where I can just be me. Hello, Rosie. Welcome to the Loose Heads Clubhouse podcast. I'm really excited about this one. As always, the first question on the podcast comes from our partners at Talk Club. How are you today out of 10? Oh, I'd say I'm an 8 out of 10 this morning. I've had my coffee, I've had my protein shake, written down my three things for the day and I'm ready to go. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And we welcome uh, Rocky Clark as co-host of the Loose Heads Clubhouse podcast. Rocky, how are you out of 10? Hello. Oh, I'm well... I probably went from an eight to about a five when uh, when I got stressed trying to get on. But apart from that, I'm back up. I'm probably back to an eight now. We're all settled and life is good. Thank you. You were 10 minutes late. Hey, hey now, we know that I'm not very good at technology. We need to lie to me to get me on so I'm actually on time. I'm very, very poor. Yeah, on time is 10 minutes early and all that. Rosie was three minutes early. <laughs> oh, so there we go. <laughs> Lombardi time indeed. And Rocky, we spent Monday morning together at Amazon Fashion Studios working on something exciting ahead of International Women's Day. It was a good day out, wasn't it? Including the breakfast. It was a fabulous day out. And when we finally uh, hacked into the um, croissants as well, that was a, that was a find, wasn't it? So it was it was a great day. Yeah, being at the studios and uh, d- talking about some exciting things. It was um, it was grand. We had a lovely day. Amazing. And for the listeners, we now have two co-hosts who will be taking it in turns to jump on with me. When we're chatting with our guests, we had uh, Ben John, the rugby trainer, join last week for the Matt Banahan podcast, which is a great episode if you want to listen to that. And each week, Rosie, uh, the guest from the episode before leaves a question to be answered on the next episode. So Matt Banahan has left a question for you. And that question is... Would you change any action, any choice or anything that you've done or that's happened in your career to date? Quite an interesting one. One to make you think. Um, No, I don't think I would. I think we'll we'll probably come on to a bit of my story, but I always say that actually breaking my ankle and getting meningitis actually has shaped me into person and player that I am today. And it's got me back in the England squad. So although a lot of people would probably not want to break their ankle and get ill, um, I think it's shaped me into who I am. So I'm happy. <laughs> I like that answer. And it's exactly what Matt Banahan said as well. It's sort of what's happened has happened and focus on, on what's ahead and, and with a smile on your face as well, which is, is what you've always done. But we'll get onto that a little bit later. Um, on Instagram, you called 2022 the year of your dreams. So let's start by talking about the biggest dream of them all. And that's the Rugby World Cup at the back end of last year. A dream come true to represent your country on the on the biggest stage of them all. Yeah, definitely. I think with the years I'd had previous to that, I didn't really think that um, the 2022 World Cup was a reality. I always had it as a distant dream, but um, never really thought that I'd actually make it. It was always going to be one of those hit and miss things. But uh, coming back, starting at Harlequins, getting involved in the 2022 Six Nations and managing to play every game in that kind of gave me that inkling that I could potentially get involved in the World Cup. And I made sure I worked hard, put myself in the best place um, and position to get selected and ended up on a plane to New Zealand, which is pretty exciting. 
Uh, but yeah, like I've I've done all of that being being non contracted. So I kind of think that this year's been the start of my rugby journey, and hopefully there's only men, there's many more to come. Yeah, and scoring a hat trick on your World Cup debut too, Rocky. How good was Rosie at the World Cup? She was immense, and you know we just looked back at the Six Nations before that, and she she played herself into the World Cup squad, in my opinion, in in the first couple of games. She was phenomenal, and. And seeing her when she first got capped and then was out and, and getting herself back into the, the player that she's absolutely blossomed in. And I, I remember her so many times just had that focus to get back into the England squad and and seeing her just achieve that and do so well. And she's got such a long career ahead of her. I'm really excited to see the future. Absolutely. And obviously, you can see from a mile off um, that England team, that England squad, there's such a togetherness. Um just how was it, you know, being in camp in a different country on the other side of the world for a long period of time? Um, it was it was easier than I thought it was going to be. One of my worries was actually going away for a long period of time on the other side of the world. I'm a very big family girl. So knowing that I was going to be away from home and all my home comforts was something that did probably um, worry me a little bit. But the group that we had out there, like so many different personalities, but everybody there, everybody was there for the same reason to go and win a World Cup, but also to make memories that last a lifetime. And one of my craziest memories was one day we got a minibus um, and it was raining the whole day, but we decided to go walk through a rainforest and find a waterfall. So we were dripping wet, walking through a rainforest in bikinis with a coat over the top, um, <laughs> absolutely freezing, stopping off at the services on the way back and getting like a ice cream and a lasagna, like a to-go <laughs> lasagna. Um, and it's just like the, the weirdest memory, like the best but weirdest day and like things like that stick with you forever. And whilst out there, you were also part of one of the best rugby interview moments of all time on the O2 Inside Line where Jess Breach oh, nearly <laughs> nearly told the whole world what she's most excited for when she returned home but thankfully it wasn't what everybody thought it was no, it was a Wagamama's. So excited for a Wagamama's but just like it doesn't sound like it when we asked for the clip before it even went out because we were absolutely howling and then you listen to the clip and it doesn't sound as slow as what it felt like but we honestly was like what is happening right now but yeah it was funny and I'm glad some people picked up on it I showed my mum and dad and they started laughing with me because I was laughing and then my mum was like I just don't get it though and I was like oh come on (laughs) Uh, but those those friendships just how important that they you know when you're away for a long period of time yeah really important I think you've got different people that you go to for different things so you've got people that you go to for comfort if you're not selected you've got people that you'll go to to have a bit of a laugh you've got people that you go to for a cuddle it's definitely not Zoe Harrison if you want a cuddle <laughs> um but yeah the, you've got your different support networks you've obviously got your psych your coaches uh, everyone else out there so making sure that you're a good group of people that are all like wanting to be there for each other was really important out there and uh, when we had Rocky on the podcast in season one, she told us about a certain room wars that um, I think Rocky designed and shaped what room, wa- room wars was. And we wondered if there was anything similar that happened in New Zealand. So Rocky, just remind us what room wars is and Rosie can tell us if there's anything similar. Yeah, it was actually in New Zealand. I remember the the most absurd one was so you'd, you'd go in your um in your teams with your roommate and you play against different rooms and the losers ended up doing I don't know like a spoon of paprika or or whatever. But see, so yeah, or I remember eating a fish muffin once with like oh. 
Nutella and things on, and I was absolutely gagging. But the walls used to be, so it'd be like target shooting into a bin with a socks or like how long you could balance <laughs> on one leg with somebody on your back, how much we could drink without going for a wee, like so many stupid things. <laughs> yeah. But one time I was with Kerry, who I used to share with a lot, we lost, so we had to leg it up and up and back up the corridor. But Graham Smith, the uh, forwards coach at the time, was was on our level. But she had to run up with boobs out of the uh, swimming costume as well. So ran up, touched the wall, legged it back, and then Graham Smith came and what the hell's going on here? So we just legged it back in the room. So that yeah, that was horrendous. My one was I had to go down in my swimming costume. You know, I am very svelte, lovely to look at in a swimming costume. So I had to go down to reception and ask something stupid like, have you got any envelopes or something? And there was like an entire bus of tourists that had come in. So yeah. <laughs> Anything? Oh, I I love being centre of attention. It was great. Um, Anything like that going on? No, I can't. I can't say there was any of that. Um, We probably in Fangeray, it was kind of like we were in a motel, so it's like a U shape, and we were all there was like two floors, so people on the bottom, people on the top, Um, and probably the the most warry thing out of the rooms was that Alex and Marley were sharing. And they actually decided to have a his like a wacky ten minutes of flipping each other's beds over and causing havoc for each other. Um, but then Marley was distracting me, and Alex came in the back of my room because you had doors both sides, and she started putting all of my suitcase out, flipped my bed over, both <laughs> ran out laughing, and left me to it. So that was probably the biggest room war, but it wasn't even a room yeah, war. I think it was a just attacking you. Um, nothing. Uh, nothing worry but I think it would have been actually quite interesting because I was I was roommates with Ellie Kildan for the whole time so I reckon we could have had it in the bag on some of those room wars oh yeah I reckon you could have reception <laughs> we used to do um bitch games as well where you had to like go and pick all the cones up or uh or go and serve tea at breakfast and things like that so be like you know one-on-ones or 2v1s um on on the pitch so it was just a way of getting everybody uh, working yeah. together but it was always a bit of fun That's and camaraderie nice. yeah we had um one of our physios kate tyler she did a marathon she was meant to do the london marathon when we were out there so we held our own fangeray marathon and that was a really nice way of getting us all together because we all sat in the team room making banners and posters and then spent the whole day following her around different checkpoints. Um, and that was just really nice because we all came together to celebrate something away from rugby, but bought into it. And I think for Kate, we didn't expect that from us whatsoever. So that was really nice to just help her along her way. Yeah, I saw the social media coverage and it looked amazing. And I thought, what a special moment for her and you guys all bonding and chasing yeah. her around at her checkpoints. I thought that was fab. What a, what a great way to be the entire team, not just the players on the field, the the, the backroom staff as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great to hear that Room Wars actually does still live on. It's amazing. <laughs> no, it's just in different forms. <laughs> Just in different forms. And of course, Rosie, it, it obviously didn't end the way you wanted it to, you know, coming home with the trophy. What was the sort of feeling in camp straight after the final whistle in those days afterwards? For me, it kind of started when I was handed the GoPro to film the last line out by the media people. So I was holding it thinking, we've never really lost a, a, a line out, a driving line out. So I was like buzzing that I'm going to run on the pitch with this GoPro, film everyone's reactions. And then obviously didn't go to plan. I dropped the GoPro on the floor and straight away it was just about like being there for each other. No one really had anything to say. Um, it was just about embracing each other, giving each other a hug and 
again, a bit, we were all a bit speechless. It wasn't about saying the right thing then, there and then. Um, we then went on to have a good evening. Like everyone was just like, it's happened now. Let's go out, it, like put it to bed for the night, have, have a drink and get on the plane home the next day. Getting home, I probably have struggled a bit more than what I thought I would. I thought being like a up and coming player as such who, who just made it to the World Cup, I didn't really think that I'd feel the emotions that probably some of the older and more experienced people did um but actually it hurt it hurt a lot more than what I expected and it's taken me a lot longer to get back into the swing of things than I thought it would um again which has which has surprised me but I've kind of found my feet again since Christmas uh I was probably mentally and physically a bit drained because I'd never been away or in, in a rugby setting yeah. for more than a couple of months so uh yeah it, it's definitely been an eye-opening experience both positively and then also seeing like the less positive negative side of being a professional athlete in those kind of situations I always found like whenever I I lost my first world cup final I'd I'd done a few unfortunately (laughs) and um and then seeing the youngsters take their first one first one the first one is the worst like you know it's like that old song the first cut is the deepest like it it hurts so much you know nothing like that pain it is Mm. you don't really expect it like when I was told at the start of World Cup we all sat down and we had a meeting and Mid said to me I was going to be an NPR finisher and I think I I think because I played a lot more than what I expected to I then started getting a feel for what it was like and was actually then getting frustrated that I wasn't playing and I wasn't selected and like asking for more because I then wanted more so I think that's why I was left with a bit of a bitter taste then like not being involved in the final and then being like, I could have potentially helped. And it's little things like that that you can't control that then stick with you for a lot longer than, than what I expected. Uh, but yeah, like I didn't think the first, I didn't think it would hurt because I'm only 24 and I was like, oh, I can go on and do it again um, in a few years time. But yeah, it's still when people say, oh, went to a World Cup and, and just missed out. It's like, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, not a nice feeling. Can you explain like some of the, the feelings to the listeners or how empty or or lack of purpose you had after the World Cup to and then how you've managed to get yourself back into, you know, getting back in your routine? Yeah, I think it's quite, quite a tricky question because I actually, some days I don't think you actually know how you're feeling. Um, so some days you're absolutely fine and then other days you do feel that emptiness inside you and it's like, what is there something missing or is it me or like how has rugby affected me this much kind of thing it's still quite hard to explain but uh yeah definitely getting back to start off with it's probably like a bit of numbness and just wanting to um sleep and get back into normal life kind of thing catch up with sleep and people I guess and then as I started getting back into the Harlequin setup I wanted to get in soon I wanted to play against Saracens as my first game back um so I was like right I'm going to rush back because I wasn't because uh, I was non-contracted I was allowed to come back when I wanted to but actually in hindsight did I give myself enough time to just chill out and relax and and recover uh, probably not so then I think I've prolonged my season a little bit by trying to get back in the mix because I just wanted to play rugby Um, and again I think because of that not being involved in the final I was like well I'm ready to play I haven't played in a few weeks so get me out there um but yeah no it's definitely been a real whirlwind of emotions um and only recently have I actually gone into schools and talked about it I think it was just quite hard to find words to describe it without sounding quite blunt and being like yeah we lost her like 
don't have any words to describe it and I still don't um but this time this time I've kind of like rechanged how I think about it to okay I'm 24 2025 is only two and a half years away we're going to go win it on home soil like that's how I now kind of have changed my mind you're looking forward now rather than backwards which is yeah great any advice to somebody you know overcoming things and I think like for me it was not being involved in the final was a tactical decision which I fully support the coaches um but you then start doubting your own ability because it's like why couldn't I've done the job that you wanted from from people um so then I went back to club and straight away I think it was a week after world cup I said I want a one-to-one um to work on the things that weren't in my tactical like game plan um and I think that's when I started driving myself a bit insane being like actually I need to just be me and for some people I will be the right tactical decision and for others you just can't control that exactly yeah it's just literally based on one or two people's opinions of of who's going to be best that day and I've I've certainly been on the end of that and it's a really tough pill to swallow but I appreciate you getting back in and wanting to know like let's let's work this out I want to be that and you know you've certainly got a massive opportunity in the next couple of years to to like you said go out and play in a home world cup and hopefully uh, win the World Cup and, you know, you're a massive star rising that we uh, we want to see a lot more of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you inspired a nation. I'm, I'm not even an English supporter. Mm. I'm a Welsh supporter, mm. but genuinely doesn't matter. You inspired me. I was up stupid o'clock every week, every match, along with everyone else. And we've obviously got the men's Six Nations underway and, and the women's Six Nations starts in just over a month. What, what can we expect? The thing we've spoken about recently is that um, every single nation is getting better at rugby. There's a lot more investment, um, a lot more contracts, which is allowing people to train full time. And so the gap's closing now between England and the rest of um, the, well, the rest, the rest of the nations, but also other countries as well. So it's kind of like we're currently working on how we can keep that gap and how we can still be the leaders and how we can change or um, enhance our rugby to make sure that that stays the same. Because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We want to be the leaders. So I can't tell you what there is to expect yet. We haven't gone into camp. Um, but I know for sure that we're going to be looking at ways to make sure that we are the best athletes, the best rugby players, the biggest nauses, um, so that we do, that we do stay on top and get that grand slam. Yeah, and it's quite a timely podcast with the news surrounding Simon Middleton, who will be stepping down as England coach after the Six Nations. Rocky, initial thoughts? Surely when you're wearing that England top that you're wearing right now, you, you might fancy the job. Yeah, I'm just getting ready for it. No, um, <laughs> like, you know, Simon has, has made a massive impact in English rugby. And do I think it's time? Yeah, probably after two, uh, two World Cup cycles. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of female potential head coaches or I think there should be some females involved in some way for sure um but but yeah you've got to take your hat off to Simon um yeah it's it's about time now and you know fresh start and they they need to get somebody in and then obviously lead to the next world cup as it's so short away Rosie as someone who's been a huge part of Simon Middleton's squad in the last few years what what are your thoughts I think he's a really honest guy um like he he told me when I came in that I was just coming in for injury cover when I got pulled in in 2019 and that he wasn't actually really expecting me to play. Um, but then when I came back in, like we sat down and he's just really honest and been like, fair play, mate, you've, you've changed it around. So to know that he's seen me in 2019 and then 2022 and, and being able to see the journey that I've been on like that, that was a, a good thing for me. But at the same time, like he's just, he's a nice guy. Um, 
he works hard, like the, the amount of hours that he put in to make sure that we are performing both on and off the pitch, making sure we've got the right people around us. Um, and he has been so successful, like, although obviously fallen short in World Cups, not many people can say that they've actually taken two teams to to World Cup finals. Um, 30 games on the bounce, like, that's a world record in itself. Um, and then, yeah, like six, six Nations wins as well. So he has done phenomenally well and left the game in, in an incredible place for someone else to come on and bring that new momentum. And he's he said that himself. He knows that he probably needs a new challenge um, and that we uh, we as girls need someone new to come in and bring a, a new lease of life. So he's very aware of that. And, yeah. and I think good luck to him with everything that he does yeah no nice words and you you mentioned the word journey there your own journey um obviously starting in 2019 um getting your first cap for England and then it was correct me if I'm wrong but 1146 days later you got the second cap let's just talk a little bit about that journey (laughs) yeah no it was a bit bit of a whirlwind really so I, I got brought into that Six Nations campaign um because both second rows were doing high ball catching and training and both broke their fingers. Um, not what you'd expect in camp, really, for for that to happen. So I got pulled in, came off the bench um, in Ireland and played, I think, 12 minutes. And at the time I was like, yeah, I've made it. This is, this is it. I've made it now. I'm an England player. But actually, I don't think I then felt like an international player until I then um got my cap my my second cap was definitely more special to me but in between that first and second cap I um contracted meningitis in September 2019 it was a Friday evening just before going to play Richmond who were lowest in the league and I remember texting Alex Osterby saying just to let you know I'm really ill this is probably about two in the morning um just saying I'm really ill I don't think I'll be able to play tomorrow and I didn't get a response because I think he thought I was on a night out and I didn't want to play against the lowest team in the league um, but I got my dad to pick me up. I lived at Zoe Harrison's at the time and I just rang him saying, I'm really ill. Um, can you come and pick me up? So he drove an hour and a half, picked me up. My mum was on a night out with her friends in London, which is quite rare in the grand scheme of things. So I was like, I'm not going to ruin her night. Um, I'll just see her in the morning. And then she came into the room in the morning and I had like a little rash on my legs, um, on my leg. But I was just so, in so much pain, like my body was so sore um, and I was so pale. Mum rang the non-emergency and they blue lighted me in, um, already testing me for sepsis and meningitis. Uh, I then spent two weeks in hospital, unable to walk for, I think, like 10 days. Um, and the paramedic said that if I, sorry, the nurses said that if I came in a day later, I could have um, lost my legs. So that was kind of like a, a big, when she said that, that was a big moment in time. And that was when I realised, actually, uh, this is a lot more serious than what I thought. Um so after about two weeks, I came home and I remember just being like, right, I'm healthy. Let's go back. Let's let's ring the physio and be like, I want to come back to training. She was like, OK, Rosie, give it a few more weeks. So we just need to make sure that you actually are fully on the mend. Um, and I came back in December and managed to get a game in before Christmas. And then in January 2020, I was dropped in a line out at Worcester and I shattered my ankle. So I broke my leg, um, shattered the tailor dome and then pulled all the ligaments and bones off with my ligaments in my ankle uh, and then again one of those gas and air moments where you're lying on the floor and you're like oh okay this is going to be a bad one I'm actually going to have to take time now to just focus on myself um, and I think like in hindsight I probably came back from meningitis too soon but being the person that I was and wanting to be involved in the team and wanting to showcase that I was 
like healthy and fit again um I, I I rushed back into rugby but actually was I fully fit was I actually recovering probably not it's probably taken me a couple of days extra to just recover from a training session um but yeah so that year was then probably one of the most pivotal in in my rugby career just with the mental resilience and up and down journey like some days I felt like I was flying some days like trying to jump off a log in my first um it was all in, in the pandemic so I was on FaceTime to yeah. my physio and she was like right there was a little log in my garden probably about this big she was like you're going to jump off it now this is going to be your first jump it probably took me half an hour to jump off this little tiny log um and just little things like that like really hard at the time but looking back I'm like yeah that journey has taught me a lot about myself um I then came back to Saracens and I probably thought that I was in better shape and like at the top of my game again and I was like to Ale- I was like why is Alex Osprey not starting me I didn't really understand why I wasn't like back to the Rosie Galligan that I was before um so I decided to move clubs just to have a bit of a fresh start a bit of um a new coach I'd never really had a new coach from Saracens I had Rob Kane who was my LSE coach and then Alex as well as my talent division talent development officer so it would always been Alex so I was like right I need a fresh start I can like reinvent myself as a as a player and a person to so move down to Harlequins and to be fair Harlequins has been fantastic for me like the SNC program um the commitment to the women's game to be able to offer you opportunities on and off the field and I just was allowed to like be me and and reinvent who I wanted to be and put the time and effort into it um fast forward a few months and I got a call from Deeks being like you're right Rosie it's like yeah you it's like we're going to call you into the squad. I was like, oh, cool, cool. Um, and I was sat with Beck and Jess at the time as well. So it was kind of like full circle, then being at my first cap and then um, hearing that I was going to be called into Six Nations. So, yeah, um, then went into Six Nations and I kind of, I think everyone's just said to me, like I had that effort attitude. Um, I didn't have anything to lose and I just wanted to go out there and show what I could do. Um, and that mm, I managed to play every, every game. So yeah, it's, it's been a yeah. crazy journey, a lot of up and downs, like probably more downs than I've ever really spoken about because you don't really remember it when you're then a year down the line, but yeah, very, a very big journey, but I've learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself and can now say that like I'm back yeah. in a, in a white shirt. Crazy journey. You can say that again. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot to unpick there. I guess the, the, the first question is for me is, I guess, what was that? first moment back in a white shirt like yeah I'd say my second cap was so much more special than my first um because I actually felt like I earned it on merit rather than injury um and obviously like with the journey that I had been on as well it was just like that's what you that's what you dream of you dream of having that stronger comeback kind of thing that everyone says about so yeah putting the white shirt on for the second time was was better than the first yeah. And I guess there's that there's that saying, isn't there, that you've really been in the wars, but to be told you're going to have your leg amputated and you're not going to play rugby again. I think resilient is probably the word, um, but I feel like it's even more than that. I think, you know, to have the ability to sort of bounce back from two setbacks like that, um, career threatening, but to do it with a smile on your face the whole way, I think it's really inspirational. But I just want to ask you maybe a little bit of a tough question. Um, obviously, you know, the comeback was during COVID. What what were the lowest days like? Um, COVID actually probably helped me, to be fair, mentally, because the league was cancelled. So I didn't miss that much rugby in the grand scheme of things. Um, 
the worst day was probably I was sitting watching a film with Zoe Harrison's mum because Zoe was out at training. And I just remember all of a sudden feeling like I was isolated because I wasn't at training with my friends. Um, my family were away and I didn't really want to cry to Karen being like, I don't, like, I'm sad. Um, and I just remember taking myself to my room and just like feeling so trapped inside and just not feeling myself. And then I remember Zoe coming home and just sitting on the bed and me just blubbering to her being like, I just, I just feel a bit lost. Um, that probably was the hardest day. And it wasn't even that anything, I hadn't done anything major to feel like that, but I think just every so often I had those days where I was like, I don't feel like myself because I'm not in my environment where I'm, where I thrive, like rugby does kind of become your family and become your life. So when you're then told that you can't be there, that then changes your whole app, like your whole life kind of thing. So yeah, that was probably my darkest day. And then one of the toughest moments, but most rewarding was um, walking for the first time and taking my first step around the kit Zoe's kitchen and Zoe just like I've got a video of it and Zoe's just going you can do this you can do this and then I just do it and then celebrate crazily at the end and little things like that you don't really expect to look back on and smile about so much but just seeing that video and the celebration at the end I'm like yeah I like that day that's a good memory yeah and what was the what was the first line out back like I remember given that the ankle break was from a line I, I went to training and I spoke to Poppy and Hannah Bottman and I just said, right, can you please lift me and then assist me all the way down Delicately to the floor? Delicately put you down. Um, and it literally, like, put me on the floor. Because sometimes you've just got a bit of a – you push up as hard as you can and then you just drop them and they've got to fight for themselves when they get to the floor. Um, but, yeah, I said that. And, it probably, again, it probably took me a long time to have the confidence to do it. But they were patient. I texted them at the end of the night and said, thank you, I really appreciate it, and just kind of start, started yeah. building up from there again. Yeah, and obviously you two played – at Saracens together. Rocky, tell us a yeah, little bit about uh, that. It was amazing. Like Rosie, I've always been a big fan of Rosie and and I knew she hadn't quite hit her potential. She needed to find her place and and it was brilliant. Although I was sad that she left Saris, it was brilliant to see her flourish when she went off to Harlequins. But the potential she had, she was she's always been a Norse with the line out. She's always had a good crack and everyone's loved her. But um, you know, playing with her, she was was making line breaks and just her work rate around the park, obviously a, a line out tactician. She's a phenomenal player and, and a good girl on a great crack. So, you know, you can't go too wrong with that. I haven't paid her, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and Rosie? I'm a rock star. Well, you could always rely on Rocky to make sure she's doing her cheat lines, can't you? Um, but no, it was great. Like obviously a lot of experience, I think both on and off the pitch, just knowing how to like work the rugby world and and keeping people um like keep being honest with people and helping people to achieve and she was my coach and, and teammate so being able to play alongside her but also learning from her was was fantastic yeah no very nice to hear very nice to hear but just coming back to that yeah you know your story of um I guess your, your story is one of resilience never giving up and I think I watched an interview where you said sort of ne- giving up wasn't an option um but also doing it with a smile on your face can you just tell us a little bit about how you've managed to get back into that better place mentally um I think having the right people around you that want to support you and want to see you do well uh, so I've got a very, I'm very close with my family. I also think that when I moved to Quinns, like I said 
exactly what my aim was. And I said, my aim's to get back into the England squad. And he said, right, let's go get started now. Um, little things like that, but also just working on myself. Like being injured gave me time to think about who I, who I was and what made me tick and how to get through bad times. And you just have to remember that like life isn't actually that bad. Um, you're going to have your down days, but it's how you get through them and, and how you cope with it. I think for me, I started... I started living a bit more in the moment. I think I could be that a bit of a worrier that's either looking back to the past or looking too far into the future, being like, oh, if I don't do this, then X, Y, Z is going to happen. But actually being a bit more spontaneous and like saying yes to things and going out and doing things that I probably wouldn't have done before just because I can. Um, that's probably one of the things that I did. Um, but yeah, I think you have to do things that make you happy in life. Um, I decided to quit my marketing job because I wanted to focus more on rugby and that, although financially probably wasn't the best thing, um, it actually meant that I was just in a rugby environment focusing on like trying to be a full-time international. So yeah, like little things in life I've changed just to try and be happy. And like I said, like as long as you're happy and playing with a smile on your face, that's all that really matters. That's amazing. That's the clip for social. <laughs> yeah, I love it, mate. Love it. It's all about that. Have a smile on your face. No, I love that. It's really refreshing and really, really nice to see. Um, and just before we, we we wrap up, we've got a few um, sort of community questions and a bit of a, a thought of the week. So the community question to begin with is from our very own Lucid's Academy captain, Joey, and his wife, Bex, who are huge fans of you, Rosie. And a quick congratulations to them, actually, on having their first child last week. And their question, congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> and their question to you is, do you have any pre-match rituals? Oh, um, not particularly before a game. Like, I like to have a good breakfast. If I could, if it's a later game and I can go out for a nice brunch, then I will. Um, I'm one of those people that has to stay quite normal on game day. Like, if I overhype something then I actually don't perform I remember going to Sainsbury school games once and thinking that I had to tap everyone on the back have the same um music and then I played so badly in the final I was like I'm never doing anything superstitious ever again um so I the only thing I do do is when I get out onto the pitch I like to go around each corner of the side that I'm playing on and run line outs at different corners just to like go through each call that I want to use in different areas of the pitch that's the only thing I do but it just gets me in the in the right frame of mind to go and call lineouts. Yeah, amazing. Rocky, do you have any? Yeah, just a massive breakfast, mate. And uh, yeah, <laughs> always getting a coffee. Even if I'm running late, I'm like, got to stop for a coffee with a coffee obsession. Not a pint, no? No, no pints. <laughs> no pints to laughter. <laughs> and then the thought of the week which is actually called the pensive pre-pod poo ponder very strange i know right. it's sponsored by sam james um he has actually sent in a voice note so i'll play it down the mic okay. if you had um a theoretical black card like the nando's one um for any restaurant worldwide or any food chain what would you choose and why great question that Wagamamas. <laughs> yeah, Very good. it Very would be Wagamamas. I think I'd have to take Jess and Zoe with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll have to, we'll have to get, we'll have to tag Wagamamas in this. Now, get them to get that black card. And um, finally, just before we finish up, I guess um, every everyone that comes on, we we set a challenge for. We haven't actually told you that, Rosie, but. Yeah. Um, 
you you may have seen, you may not have seen, but we have a couple of young people, Camilla and Spencer, who are brother and sister. Oh, they're I know them very well. On Instagram. Yes, there we go. They're, <laughs> they're running one mile every day in honour of Lucids from, from the start of the Premiership to the end of the Allianz Premier 15s. And they've just hit the halfway mark. And my challenge to you, Rosie, is to run a tiny leg with them after the Saracens versus Harlequins match, as they will be there watching. That's fine. I have already taken them on the pitch at the Harlequins. And oh, there we go. And help them with their mile. But I'm sure if my body <laughs> allows me to, I will do yeah, that I was gonna say. when we've won. Perfect. I'll be there as well. So I'll join in for the for the uh, for the run. And finally, Rosie, um, what is your question for the start of the podcast with our next guest? Ooh, um, let's make it a bit rogue. Yeah, it doesn't have to be rugby if related. You were stuck on a desert island. What two rugby players would you take with you and why? Ooh, great question. Rocky, <laughs> you, you give us your answer. Um, definitely Kerry Large, because she just makes me laugh all the time. Um, and actually, probably Kim Oliver as well, because she's wrong and rotten. Kerry be useful because she's a, a firewoman, so she could, you know, go and grab everything we needed, climb up trees, create fires, that sort of thing. And Kim would just provide the pants. So yeah, they sat with those two in our pants, eating <laughs> eating kebabs. Sounds great. Nice. Love where, you get, where are you getting that kebab from on a desert island? Uh, somebody's going to find it. I don't know. Maybe Harry's going to find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today, Rosie. Really appreciate your your time, your openness, um, your truly wonderful bubbly personality. Keep inspiring. Uh, keep keep playing with that smile on your face. Thank you very much for for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you, Rocky. Thank you very much. Well done, guys. Mm-hmm.